Welcome back to the Exchange for Entrepreneurs podcast. I'm your host, James Black. And this week, we have a very special guest. And this guest is not a public company CEO, academic, or banker. Today, we tap into the extraordinary journey of Quante Bosco Adams, whose journey from the streets of Compton to federal prison and now miraculously to Hollywood is truly the story of one man whose dream was simply too big for anything to stop. Bosco's story is the entrepreneurial journey personified, a journey where nothing is guaranteed, the odds are against you, and resources are slim at best. It can be a lonely world where the only person you can rely on is yourself, and in this discussion, we talk about the power of self-belief and the near-infinite capabilities of the human spirit and intuition if you're truly willing to look within. We only scratch the surface on Bosco's story here, so I encourage you to dig deeper into the links in today's show notes to learn more and appreciate the incredible hurdles this man has overcome. But before that, please enjoy today's conversation with Quante Bosco Adams. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Exchange for Entrepreneurs podcast and video. I'm your host, James Black, and I've got a really special guest today. It's uh, Quante Bosco Adams. Quante, thanks for joining us. Uh, I believe you're in LA right now. Yeah, in LA. This is a story that uh, I'm going to let you tell in parts. But you know, we talk on the show a lot about entrepreneurship. We talk a lot about companies, and you know, the CSC has had a uh, very close relationship with the cannabis industry for many years now. Uh, and many of these are interviews and shows that we do uh, with these corporate uh, leaders, CEOs, um, thought leaders. Um, I feel like their business has kind of been built on the back of what your struggle has been over the last few years and the, and the experiences you had. And um, maybe, uh, Bosco, tell me exactly what it is, you know, your story is, uh, you know, at a high level, who you are and, and what's brought us here today to talk. My story is pretty extensive. Uh, I did time in federal prison for attempting to possess marijuana. I think that's one of the main reasons why people are, are attracted to my story now is because with everything going on in cannabis, uh, it's just unbelievable that a person could actually be sentenced to so much time in prison for it. I think that that's one of the aspects of my story. But ultimately, my story, I grew up in Compton, inner city, uh, started dealing marijuana, ended up going to prison. When I got arrested, found out that I had a child on the way. So I tried to escape a couple of times, got caught, placed in solitary confinement in a cell, escaped, got away. National Geographic Channel did a documentary about it. I ended up self-publishing a memoir. Uh, memoir was adopted for a feature film. I fired my attorney, got myself out of prison and produced a star-studded movie, put together a soundtrack. And just a bunch of amazing, unbelievable things have been happening for me. And I think that's what attracts a lot of people to my story. Yeah, ours as well. Um, So a lot of jump off points there. So what I want to go back to is uh, you get incarcerated and you break out. And then um, the incarceration, your your sentence was for, what, 35 years? It was 35 years that you were meant to be in prison. Correct. And I can understand, I can understand your motivation, but what were the charges? What were they, what, what gets you in jail for 35 years when you talk about possession and, and sale of marijuana? What, how could they possibly give you that many years? <laughs> the United States war on drugs. You can face up, you, <laughs> depending on the amount of marijuana, you can face up to life. 
for marijuana. A hundred kilo grams or more. And a prior drug offense, life sentence. Right. And it's a tremendous waste of obviously human potential when people are being locked up that long for what on the other side now of the business that I mentioned is we're seeing multi-billion dollar corporations able to legally sell this stuff. Um, many states across the United, uh, United States of America and yourself, you, you get this, given this prison sentence for 35 years. Um, now, in your attempts to break out, I, again, I don't want to take too much away from the National Geographic special, which people can watch on your website. But um, what what <laughs> I always try to tie this back to entrepreneurship because a lot of people probably just go to prison. Maybe tell me how many people try to break out or even think about breaking out because I'm sure other people had kids on the way or not, other things going on. But <laughs> not many. Uh, no, Mo- most people in prison think about or fantasize about escaping from prison, but less than one quarter of a percent actually tries to escape. And most of them are confined to low custody facilities where you can literally walk away. There's no gate and you're (laughs) not locked in a cell, such as a camp. You're sleeping in the dormitory and you can just walk away. that's where most escapes actually happen, but very, very few try to escape from a secure facility. Right. What does that tell you about the human condition and psychological control uh, in the world in general? When you see that, there's nothing stopping you from leaving, but you don't leave. Yeah, I think we're it's, we're mentally trained to follow certain rules, and even if the rules aren't actually written just we're actually trained to follow the masses so if majority of the people there are not attempting to do it this that gives you this reserve to say i shouldn't try to do it either a lot of people don't want to be an exception and don't want to stand out from the crowd and you have to have a, a, a strong passion and determination to push you to that point to where you start saying that I don't care what other people are doing. I want to venture off here. And sometimes you can relate that to business also. As we see in business, people tend to follow the trend. And then it takes one person to say, you know what? I want to try something risky and daring and go another way. And sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. But when it does work, it starts a whole nother trend. Yeah, absolutely. And and to the benefit of the cannabis industry in the formal sense, it has taken a lot of people to take that leap, often leaving, you know, pretty uh, established industries or jobs to to take a position at a cannabis uh, company and say, you know, I'm willing to put my career on the line for this industry or to try this new opportunity. But back to you in prison for a second, um, you decide to break out. And what is it about you and the way you think that made you decide I'm going to do this come hell or high water. I'm going to get out of here. You mentioned the motivation of having a child on the way. Was it just that, or was there something about your upbringing or the way you are as a person, the way you're built that makes you the way you are and and to take that risk? I think part of my upbringing also, uh, since I was a kid, I've pretty much been on my own and I've been taking risks. Uh, I've never really been afraid to take a risk, never been afraid to put my life. As you can see, I was selling drugs. So I was putting my life and freedom on the line. And so I never Mm. really had that reservation about taking risks, even if 
my life was on the line. A lot of times I tended to focus on the reward. And I think that's what a lot of people do. And it's pretty risky. It's daring. And it, I wouldn't advise anybody to do it. <laughs> but I had that uh, go-getter mentality to where I didn't really care about the consequences. I didn't think about the consequences. I saw the prize and, you know, I think about the consequences, but I didn't let that stop me. I would set that aside, you know, the hell with the consequences. This is what I want. And particularly when it came to escaping from prison, I Mm -hmm. just considering everything that I've been through and I was considering my life. I was facing the rest of my life behind bars and I had a child on the way. So it was either I had two choices, go to prison and be a dad, be dad, or Mm -hmm. try to get out of prison and be there for my daughter. So I had to choose one and I was willing to sacrifice my life and everything else to be the latter, to be a father and be present. That's incredible. Now, and it wasn't as simple as just breaking out and then showing up and uh, you being there. <laughs> there was some, yeah. Uh, you, you, yeah. you had to go back <laughs> and do a little more time. So you mentioned solitary confinement, which I'm really interesting that that's for someone like yourself, what they were trying to accomplish with that as far as a punishment, because um, you know, you, what were you supposed to do? Sit there and think about, you know, what you did wrong. You're not going to do it again. Or maybe I assume you were probably thinking about the the next steps on what to do to get out and permanently. And maybe just walk me through that, w- that process of solitary confinement. Cause I think a lot of people in their business journeys and in their own life often don't have that. And I'm not trying to turn this into a good thing, but they don't it get is that time. Good thing. Yeah. It's a good thing. Okay. So explain to me why. <laughs> <'Cause I'm- laughs> let's, let's go to solitary confinement in prisons. The number one pur- purpose for solitary confinement in prison is punitive. Prisoners mm-hmm. get in trouble. They lock them in solitary to punish them. But they also have another administrative part of solitary confinement, which is for security purposes. And since I was a high escape risk, I was considered a security threat. So the safest place to confine me to the institutions were solitary confinement. And they felt that was a way to keep an eye on me and to make sure that I didn't have access to things that could facilitate an escape. But as you say, solitary confinement is a moment to where we have time to think and study and particularly ourselves, where we can take start to master our own emotions and the way that our thoughts actually uh, encourage us to behave certain ways. That's the perfect place to master all of that. And so I think solitary confinement to a degree is good. Long as there's some a person is able to endure, because a lot of people can't sit alone in a room with themselves for 30 minutes much less spend uh, a month or a year in solitary confinement. But I think that's because we've been conditioned over the years to have other sources of entertainment, whether it's interacting with people or whether it's cell phones, televisions or whatever. We've been we've been conditioned to be distracted from ourselves. The solitary confinement is the moment where you have yourself to entertain yourself. 
you have the time to understand yourself. It's a place where you have the time to study your behavior and break bad behaviors and form new behaviors. It's about breaking those habits. And the best way to break a habit is to study yourself and be alone with yourself. Yeah, no, I agree. So I, I mean, there's a lot I of think, noise, a lot of noise in the world. Yeah. So I think to a degree, solitary confinement is not as bad as they make it seem. But of course, for some people, it is. For most people, it is. Most people can't can't deal with it. So it's something that has to be done gradually. First, give a person maybe a half a day by himself, then a day, then two days by himself. The person has to learn how to be secure and at peace with being alone. Right. Do you, do you still uh, practice some form of uh, uh, self-imposed? Yeah. Climate? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's times yeah. where I just say, you know what, let me get it and just stay in the house for a day. You know, I'm, I'm definitely <laughs> still somewhat of a recluse. I mean, spending a lot of time out and mingling with people can wear you down, particularly with me. After so long, I need that break. I need to just yeah. sit by myself for a day. Yeah, it's a lot of people work that way. Even uh, company executives or you know people who are salespeople, they they might be able to go and turn it on for half a day or a few hours, but then they need to, you know, get equal or more amount of time back, you know, outside of people and, and introvert uh, themselves a bit to to kind of um, build. I guess charge the battery again. It's just not everyone can be everywhere all the time in people's faces. It's just not how people are built. Um, yeah. I want to ask you about your experience. So obviously a lot of this stuff is going to be captured through, uh, the film Bosco. We'll talk about that in a minute, but, um, you got out of jail. Obviously there was a court process and you had an attorney. I don't know. Was it, were they assigned to you? Did you hire them? Cause eventually you fired them, right? Correct. And so what led you to decide that, okay, I can represent myself and probably do better than this person who's being paid professionally to do it. What gave you the belief that if you're going to get out of this situation, you're, you've got your own back? Because I've been, been studying the law and I, particularly mm -hmm. as it applied to my case, I knew the facts of my case better than anyone else. And I had been reading case law that applied specifically to my case. So I understood, I understood the argument better than the attorney did. And I understood all of the laws surrounding that argument better than he did. And so when I filed my motion, the attorney told me that he didn't think it was going to work. And he suggested mm -hmm. that we amend the motion and fashion it the way that he wanted to fashion it to where I wouldn't be asking to get out of prison. <laughs> and, uh, I fired him because I believed in the motion. I believed in the argument. So I fired him, represented myself, and the judge agreed with me and granted me <laughs> immediate release. Wow. And what was that day like for you? Ah, the best day ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine. Um, and so... And again, I don't want to rush your story, but um, obviously there's a there's a memoir and there's a movie, but you get out of prison and you probably have to ask yourself, you know, what's next, right? Like, how do I decide where to take my life? And um, 
I'm just curious how you decided to to make your next step after all that to 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 walk you know away from what you were doing with as an inmate and through a legal proceeding and then going I got the rest of my life ahead of me to to deal with. Where did you start um, building sort of your plan or idea about what was next? The plan actually started when I was in prison because even though I was in prison and Mm -hmm. there really wasn't any definitive end to my sentence, uh, I felt in my spirit and soul that I would be getting out. And once the National Geographic Channel did that documentary and I self-published that book and then I had film companies reaching out on the option, the book for a movie. At that moment, I knew exactly what I had to do. And that was to start studying film, start studying (laughs) entertainment, because I knew that that was an opportunity for me to use my story to get out and share it in many different ways and to make an income from it. So I knew that I was getting into film before I got out because there was the buzz and I was uh, talking and dealing with production companies Mm -hmm. right before I got out of prison. So I knew that was the goal and that's the journey that I was going to take was to be in the speaking and film and different things like that. So I started preparing there. So a lot of times it's like you can, when you really believe in something, just as, as I escaped from prison, I really believed that I can pull it off, even though everybody told me that it would never happen. Nobody believed I can pull it off, but I did it. And the same thing with getting out and putting this film together. And it's like, I, I see it. I, I know it. It's not sometimes I know things. It's not a belief and it's not a sense of arrogance or cocky. It's just like, when you just know things in the, in the deep down that things are going to happen for you, I knew I was going to get out of prison also. It wasn't a belief. I knew it. I didn't know how it was going to happen or when it was going to happen, but I knew it was going to happen. And I think when when I have that type of feeling, I follow it. It's like intuition. Your gut tells you something. It's like this is the road you're supposed to take. And after all of my experiences with getting incarcerated, dealing drugs and all of those failures, and perhaps solitary confinement helped with this. I learned how to tune in and follow my gut, follow what my intuition is telling me and discern what road is actually good for me. And go, don't be afraid to dive in, take that risk. And that's something that I accumulated over the years. So I knew exactly where I was going once I got out of prison. Yeah, no. And that's, that's a, that's a profound lesson for anyone. uh, Those in business or not about self-actualization, believing in your vision uh, you know, living with intent and then having that confidence to, to take your vision and, and trust yourself. Right. And, um, you know, it's amazing what you can accomplish when you just believe in yourself. And, uh, I think part of your story too, is that, um, at many points in this journey, it was just you. Um, and you, you had to take care of a lot of the business yourself just, to, to get to the next step. So when you start looking now, you're, you're, yeah. 
Yeah, and when you believe in something, you start to surround yourself with things that can help you accomplish that, whether it's the people, the other resources, information. And once you start to indulge and surround yourself heavily into that, it does something to you. The brain expands and you start to see things. You sense things that you weren't able to sense before. It's like when you really want something, you'll see it. Sometimes it might not even be there. You know, you know how sometimes when you just dream about something, you want it so much to where you see something and you're like, oh, is that it? But that's not it. But just having that hunger makes you turn over every stone. And when you're turning over every stone, you're going to eventually find what you're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's no shortage of resources now in a very data rich world, um, that we now live in, or I'm sure in your case in prison, you didn't have full access to the internet, but probably books in a library and obviously other things, right? Um, yeah. Library. Yeah. So, um, last couple of questions, but now you're, you're looking at this new life. You've got this film deal in place. I'm actually kind of curious how you decided with whom to work with on this. Um, choosing partners is an incredibly important part of, uh, of life and business <laughs> as well. But I've been to LA a few times and it been is. in those meetings where, you know, the one I'm talking about, right. And everyone's got a dream there too. And they're trying to hit your, their wagon, yours. And how, how did you decide like, okay, I, these people are legit. I'm going to partner with them. They believe and they understand who I am. Let's, let's make a pact to, to do this together. I think that, I mean, I, I've had my, my failures there, uh, you know, hurdles and the headaches and different things that come along with Hollywood. It took me two years, took us two years, to, two and a half years really to complete this project fully because mm -hmm. Hollywood, you're going to run into people who don't have your best interest and people who are just out to get what they can out of it. And good thing that I encountered and discovered a lot of that early on. So things started to turn out the way they're supposed to turn out to where I found out who I'm supposed to work with and who I'm not supposed to work with. But yeah, I had my trial and errors uh, figuring that out. So I think that's common though. To really answer that question, it's about working with people who believe in your vision. If the person can't see your vision like you can, then it might not work out. Because if a person sees your vision and believes in your vision, then they'll put their resources into making sure that it comes to fruition. And those are the people you want to work with, whether it's a person putting in money, whether it's a person putting in sweat equity, or whether it's a person contributing however to making sure that the project moves along and reaches the end game. So you have to you have to discern who actually believes in what you're doing. And the way you know they believe in what you're doing is they're willing to put in the work. Yeah. 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 No, that's a great point. Um and speaking of the work, so the movie, when do when do you uh anticipate sort of the launch window for this thing? Summer twenty twenty three. 
All right. So we're going to make sure everyone gets uh, a link to that and uh, buy your tickets early if you're uh, planning to go see the theaters. Um, or is there a streaming service? Like, yeah. <laughs> what's, the, what's the what's the plan for distribution? Right now, we're uh, we're in talks with uh, different streamers right now to see uh, who we're going to actually go with as far as streaming. So the, the goal is yeah. the streaming platform and theat- theatrical release also. So you can, you should be able to see it in theaters for at least a limited period of time, and then you'll see it on streaming platforms. What would it, what would it mean for you to be able to go back to Compton and watch this movie with uh, people you grew up with in a theater? I think to me, it means a big deal, but I want to understand what it means to them because I think that everything that I went through was for me to create, to have a platform to where I can share my story and my sense of determination with other people and particularly those people from communities like Compton and where I'm from who never believed or envisioned that they can come outside of that culture and environment and create something that the world would be proud of. And so I look at it as being an inspiration to them and giving them the hope and belief and confidence that, you know, we all can make it out and transform ourselves and evolve. Absolutely. No, that's, that's amazing. And often I end these conversations with, um, you know, what is the legacy you want to leave behind? I think that's probably a big part of it, right? Is inspiring those to um, learn from your journey and be, um, you know, not constrained by the environment they, they grow up in. Um, and, uh, you know, on that note, uh, I do want to thank you, Quante. I want to thank you for, uh, sharing your story and your time with us today. Um, I can't wait to see the movie. Um, and maybe if you just let us know where can people get more information about what you're working on, your projects and, uh, maybe where they can see you next. Yeah, you can follow me on my website, uh, QuanteBoscoAdams.com. That's Q-U-A-W-N as in Nancy, T-A-Y-B-O-S-C-O-A-D-A-M-S.com or follow me at QuanteBosco on Instagram. Perfect. All right, man. Well, thanks so much for your time. Uh, this is the Exchange for Entrepreneurs Podcast. I was your host, James Black, with Quante Bosco Adams. Uh, Thanks again for watching and we'll see you soon. Thanks you, James. See you again, bro. Thanks. Thank you again for listening to the Exchange for Entrepreneurs podcast, a proud presentation from CNSX Markets, Inc., operator of the Canadian Securities Exchange. As a reminder, the viewpoints on this show do not reflect those of the exchange and are solely those of the guests and do not constitute investment advice. For more information about the exchange, its services, and listed companies, please visit www.thecsc.com. Until the next show, thank you for listening. And don't forget to hit the like or subscribe button on your favorite listening platform. Thank you so much.